You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I wanted to do a voice this week that was uh, like the trailer guy. You know, the guy that does the trailers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Inside of You is brought to you by... You know, that's, that's the Gator. <laughs> that's the ESPN that's guy. That's the ESPN guy. Inside of You is brought to you by... And the Perry Carey. Yeah. Inside of You is brought to you by... Who else could we do? Inside of You is brought to you by... We could just mix it up every week. You could. You got a deep uh, bench of impressions you could pull out. Yeah. What do they call that? It's a bench. It's what you have on the bench. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got the reserves. Bullpen. You know, this was a, just a, frankly, a crappy Halloween. I mean, I do the Halloween Zoom nights, mm-hmm. but you know, Halloween's not the same when you're resharing pictures from last year or years before on Facebook of, yeah. oh, look how Halloween was. We were all together. And yeah. Wearing. Yeah. I know you like to dress up. <laughs> just in general. I mean, you know, on no. Halloween and Halloween. Yeah. And no, we had a busy Halloween last Halloween. We had like, great. multiple parties and it was just the complete opposite this year. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say, there's part of me that just, there's no more FOMO. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't feel that. So it's like, yes, I don't have to go to uh, Jennifer's party in Burbank. <laughs> and I don't have to go to this, this celebrity thing where I'm going to be uncomfortable and have to take a crap. <laughs> you know, so there's a goodness to that. And so, but then I get, you know, I'm mostly home. So I'm watching these movies with the guys. We Zoom and I've gotten accustomed, used to, just, you know, we have, here's what we do. If you guys ever want to try this, it's fun. You watch a movie with friends over Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. So there's 10 people on a Zoom. I invite everybody they come on. And then I go, go 10 seconds into the Evil Dead. And like, does everybody see where it says Technicolor right when it fades to black? Pause. And then I say, one, two, three, watch. And we play play on watch. And we're all watching it and kind of commentating and you know, sometimes I'll mute people if I'm really getting into a movie, but it's fun to just joke around. Go, you know, hearing my buddy John Heater name drop it. John going, "Whoa, that was rad!" <laughs> you know, so that's a fun thing to do. So thank you. You're, you're welcome, is what I meant. You're welcome. Uh, thanks to everybody who attended the stage it last week. We had a great show. If you don't know what it's about, uh, I play music, and we had an album last year. And now Rob Danson, my buddy, and I—we have an album that we're working on, and we do these live stages. It's once a month, at the end of every month, and it's a—it's an event. It's a, a, all my patrons come out, and uh, there's prizes like zooms, and we'll dedicate songs and make videos and send them to you, and pr- a bunch of good stuff. And it's really a lot of fun, and it's grown, Ryan. I—I I have a blast. We do it once a month, and you know. We get a lot of people to come out and just uh, listen to music. We play covers, originals, um, some old left on the world tune. So go to stageit.com and follow me on there, if you will, if you don't mind. It's uh, You just go to Michael Rosenbaum. You just follow me. Give me a follower, and I can also send you updates. And, uh, again, thank you, patrons, for uh, supporting the podcast. As always, it's amazing. I always go and message the new the new folks and the old folks. And uh, if, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's uh, just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash inside of you. And uh, it's supporting the podcast in another way. And then there's there's lots of other perks like uh, I send you merch and notes and uh, questions for the, the guests mm. and uh, inside of me where I dress up as another character and ask myself your questions. And that's kind of fun. We've had a lot of characters and Bryce does a good job editing that. So thank you all the, the patrons. And if you want to join... Uh, See if you like it. I think you will. Uh, next week is already, ex- this week's already exhausting. Because right now, if you're listening, which you might not be, this election might be over. Well, you, the- you might be going, hey, 
So I, right now it's it's November third, correct? Correct, but it's not over on November third. Right, it it goes it's just the deadline. Yeah, who knows is, when it will end? Yeah, who knows? I mean, more people than ever turn out. It's that's that's the one thing that's promising yeah. that people yeah. actually care. You know, anybody out there who just uh, is going to bitch and moan and complain about things and they don't vote, it's like, what are you doing? You don't get the you don't get the bitch. No, you vote, you make a difference. Yeah. You don't vote. You, oh, this sucks. I'm like, okay, vote. I don't want to vote. All right, well, shut up. You know, uh, I don't want to say anything else other than, you know, I, I started seeing a new therapist. Mm-hmm. Not a new therapist, but a psychiatrist. And um, really liked the guy. And um, we're starting a new thing and, and, and figuring some stuff out. So I'm optimistic. So anybody out there who feels like they're, you know, the world is on their shoulders and they just feel like just weighed down and you're anxious. Try, I don't know, man, see a therapist. It really does help. And when you find the right one, it makes it all worth it. It really does. Cause you'll go through some ones. You're like, I, I went through one guy, his name was John or something. I don't even remember his name. I remember him sitting there and he's just eating a Subway sandwich and he has in his socks. He's wearing socks and eating a Subway. <laughs> and I was he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just hungry. You mind if I eat? I go, not at all. And I just could not stop focusing on this guy in his dirty socks and his Subway sandwich. I'm like, I, I'm, this is our last session, man. This is our last session. I, I just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre again and uh, Amityville Horror. And boy, those those are fun. Texas really is freaking. If you haven't seen it. I'm not going to see that. Yeah, you won't see I it. I won't see that. Uh, <laughs> it's in the title, man. Yeah. 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 No, it's 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 creepy. Uh, you know, I'm looking right now across from me is an Evil Dead poster signed by Bruce Campbell, who's our guest today. And Bruce is a good money, buddy of mine. He was on a show that I was released. Uh, they uh, let me go. The show never got picked up, but they still were like, hey, we got picked up for five episodes, but we got to let you go. They want to um, recast the part and, uh, uh, you know, whatever, revamp the character. And I was like, oh. And Bruce was on the show. And Bruce was the first one to text me. He goes, hey, bud. Hope you're well. This show doesn't know what the hell it is anyway, and I doubt it's going to even air. So you probably dodged a bullet. Then I got him past her, which, you know. But uh, he was so kind, and then we ended up getting high one night and uh, riding bikes around the reservoir. And um, he would just stay in, in contact. He said, get your ass out here. You know, him and his girl are in, in uh, or Oregon or something. They're, yeah, they're in Oregon. Yeah, wherever. Yeah. He talks about it, I think. Deep in no reception. Deep Oregon. in Oregon. No reception, Oregon, just FYI. So if it's a little glitchy on the video. Yeah. 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 Stick with it, though. It was, was pretty good, though, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, listening is fine, listeners. But watching's not fine? Watching's fine, too. Yeah, I think watching, I think I think it's watching Bruce. He's just so, so animated. You have yeah. to watch him. If you're listening, you got to go back and watch because he's. He's just such a character. He brings out a present at the end that you got to see. He has a, a little a little thing that he's got a story about. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. that he does. That mm-hmm. he does. So watch it. Uh, we've got a big one next week to announce, guys. The Justice League Unlimited reunion. That's me and the Unlimited cast, uh, if you like the animated series. But it's just a bunch of great uh, actors. And uh, I wrote a little funny script about Batman and Flash. And they all go to the mall. And... Uh, they acted out. They were all good sports, and they acted out. And they also got personal. A couple of them, like Carl Lumley lost his uh, wife. At one point, George talks about losing his father. and uh, So it's a, a great episode coming up. So please subscribe, by the way, if you haven't subscribed. Inside of you, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and at Inside of You Pod on Twitter. It really helps. 
uh, I see the numbers going up and tell your friends, email them and uh, just can continue to do the show and hopefully more and more people listen and I'm glad you do and uh, I hope you enjoy this one. This is one of my good buddies and thanks for signing the poster, Brucey. Hey, Rosie Pants, stay groovy or try. Ash, Bruce Campbell. Let's get inside of Bruce Campbell. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. How are you, bud? You look good. Hey, whatever. Hanging out in Oregon. Minding my own... The great state of Oregon. You love Oregon. Do you know any pictures I have that you've sent me saying, jealous? Yeah, well, get your ass up here and you won't be jealous anymore. You'll understand the need for Oregon. Oregon, by the way, it's not Oregon. The second you say Oregon, I go, uh, foreigner. <laughs> Is that what you say? For some reason, I thought of the band. No, it's Oregon. 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 Do you think that you need Oregon at this juncture in your life to escape the demons of uh, this business? No, and now I have it to escape the demons of horrible viruses that are circling the globe. Uh, <laughs> the weird thing is, I, I was going to sell. I was about to dump this place on the mountaintop. Uh, I got grandbabies in, you know, in your fine uh, state of California, and we we're going to get closer to them. And then we realized, nah, I think we're going to have a little, we're going to keep a little haven for the grandbabies where they can go and hide from the big bad city. So, uh, yeah, I ain't selling this place never now. Really? Screw all y'all. It was Get just off, yeah. off my property. <laughs> you, you know, when I talked to you, we went to eat at Pache restaurant in the, uh, up in Laurel oh, Canyon. sure, Pache. We sat there and I remember you telling me something, because I don't think we talked about it on the podcast last time, but you, you talk about the third act. Your life is an ax. And I remember you yes, getting oh, really yeah. descriptive oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. Tell this me about it. the well, ax. The the, the pandemic just pushed it over the cliff. It just pushed me fully into act three. Um, you know, the idea was I did the rat race as an actor for a long time, worked for all these phony companies. Same with you. We toured a lot. We've done all kinds of stuff and you sense yourself. And this is only me speaking for myself, not the entrepreneur that you are always reinventing yourself. Oh yeah. I found myself entering a rinse and repeat phase of my life and career. Rinse where, and repeat. Oh, another uh, rinse and repeat. Uh, you know, meaning it's, you're going to wash your hair the same way again, and you're just going to rinse it and repeat it the next day. And so conventions started to be very uh, similar and ubiquitous and working on certain types of TV shows certain types of entertainment became boring and kind of annoying. And, uh, you know, television was exciting and new, um, back in the day. And I'm, I'm sure there's still great stuff, but the TV grind, uh, the last TV series I did, Ash versus evil dead. I, I was like, okay, I think I need to like quit. I think I need to quit. I need to go suck my thumb on a mountaintop somewhere because I bur I just burned myself out. Uh, at too late of an age. I was like, I could do a show. Fuck you. I can still got a TV show on me. And, you know, we ground out three seasons. And, uh, you know, I left a piece of my soul there. And you still, we had a lot of creative control, but you still don't have the control that 
that I have in Act 3. Act 3, it's my own publishing company, Tartan Media. Um, I'm putting out my first book, The Cool Side of My Pillow. It's a book of essays. And you go, oh, Snoresville, man. And that's cool. But it's it's my it's my book. Um, if it blows, it's me. I'm 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 the guy. And as a result, if it does okay, I'll reap the reward. So I also came to a horrible realization during this pandemic break, the first big lockdown period. I was like, wait a minute, movies are too expensive. I can't, I can't do those in my backyard. I need to I need to do stuff that I can literally do in my backyard. So my to-do list is a is a new book. Didn't cost me anything to write it, and I've written a couple of screenplays. And now, and I'm I'm doing a, my first comedy album called The Lost Recordings. All right, hang on. You're first of all, you're glitching a little bit. Your your voice is fine, which is fine, but your body's your face is glitching a little bit. Like you're a little. Well, I'm on a mountaintop. I can call you back, but you know, is that that's kind of this is about as. This is kind of what we get up here. That's it. All right. Well, I think we should stick. Well, now you now your eyes are closed. But we'll uh, hold on. Hold on. I wonder if you could do this for I'm me. Kidding. I was kidding. Oh, you if bastard! I, I believed you. Yeah. Your acting isn't that. done. Your acting isn't done, sir. First of all, you've written other books. You said this was your first book. Why are you saying it's your first book? It's for self-publishing. It's my book. It's I. I'm, I'm not trying to please a publisher. I'm not. Uh, there's no tour. You know, I toured my brains out the last book that I did and it, it was fine. It was a good experience, but it's, um, those days are kind of in the rear view mirror. You know, I, uh, bookstores are weird. They're, they're, they're either this big and you know, there's nowhere for even people to line up because it's a postage stamp in a strip mall. They're out, out the front and down the street and you go, okay, that's not, I've sort of gotten over the charm of that type of bookstore or they are the size of an airline hanger and there's a Starbucks and Buzak and you're trying to shut the system down and you're trying to do, they want you to do a reading and uh, every manager and look, this is just me sounding like old, old curmudgeon on a mountain. Every manager is 24 years old and they don't know anything. Like, like anything, like what is, what, do you guys have a microphone? Um, I can look around for something. You go, well, okay, let's have fun. Let's have fun with that. So there's a, there's a point where that stops being charming. I get that. But, you know, of course, people still look at you. I look at you, tons of fans, and they're like, he's young. He's not this old guy, this freaking guy on a mountaintop in Oregon. He's like, you know, so yeah, but do you fight that for many years where you're like, ah, I gotta, I just, yeah, they're saying that I still, I gotta do it because I'm doing it for someone else. Do you ever feel like that? And now you're like, okay, I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm done. I am done. I'm done doing things for my wife. I'm done doing <laughs> things for fans. I'm done doing things for a mortgage. I just uh, decided <laughs> to pay crap off during all this to get rid of my overhead, you know, so I, uh, yeah, there's no, the man is gone. I'm not working for the man. And and look, if a gig shows up, um, I'm there. Give me a holler. Yeah, because I just but, got off. Until, uh, until then, I'm pursuing efforts that that make sense to me and things that I can pull off. I have screenplays that I'm going to convert into books so I can self-publish them. If it's a successful book, okay, I'll make a movie. Look at <laughs> you. You know? you know, so the trick now is... Um, 
riding electric bikes in the boonies, in the hinterlands, and and doing crap that's fun and makes sense. But, you know, a lot of these things got turned upside down with this COVID business. My first thought was, oh, crap. I mean, I really felt for people in the restaurant business. I mean, my best friends are bartenders, you know. I mean, it. Uh, these people are, they got hammered. But then I, but then I, I thought, well, wait a second, what am I talking about? In the last three years, I've been to 99 cities. That that's that averages every other week. I'm on a plane going somewhere to do what I do, and that I mean, this year, you know, I've been to one city. I've been to Chicago because I finally decided to to tour again. I thought this was I was this was going to be a year of writing and pitching new stuff. Let's just not do all the old stuff. Let's try some new stuff. And then this went down and I actually started to feel bad for my own snotty industry was uh, shit. I think I got to do something for these people, you know? So I, I, I just did a tour at a drive-in. All right. What's, what's a tour at a drive-in? A drive-in, drive-in moves motion picture theater. Yes. It was called the Midway in Dixon, Illinois, birthplace of Ronald Reagan. And, um, great old cornfield. It's a thing out in the cornfield. You know, we had a classic Midwest thunderstorm that rolled through there, but I had known this promoter. Um, and I, I just on a whim, I went, Hey, do you still have that driving? And do you want to do something? He's like, yes. And yes. So we did a, a COVID safe drive in everyone's in their car. They're listening, but now through their great stereo system, it's not their dad's crappy system you put on your window. Uh, they got a camera on me. I'm on a I'm on a stage that's lit, and even if you have a crappy view of me, it doesn't matter. I'm on the enormous screen. And what are you doing? You're just talking for ten minutes before the movie starts. We did photo ops. We did the whole bit. We I stay in one place, and we got a zombie dummy, like certain amount of feet away from me and then they stand a certain amount of way between between two other zombie dummies and i don't really move they come in take their mask off we do it and we do it outside at kind of dusk and then everything everyone can fill in and do their thing so we did the photo ops just like normal and then the q a is a little weird because you don't i'm used to hecklers and you you see hands go up you call on them this is a little weird. You're looking into a black void. You don't really see anything. And you think you've used your best one liner and you hear this. <laughs> Those are the crickets, you know, next to the stage because you're out in the, in the cornfield. Right. But it's a little bit of a different dynamic, but you have to kind of let that go. We had people line up for questions. They, you know, you mark the, it's like at Home Depot, you just mark the distance. And so I don't know if conventions, you know, I started to think of those. This year, I was supposed to go San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. We're going to cram 125,000 people in a four-day period. Ain't mm. going to happen. <laughs> How many people come hey. to these drive-ins, though? Uh, we were we sold out for two nights in a row, so it was 100 and some odd cars. In the middle of nowhere. You sell out. Nowhere. No, it's literally, yeah. Well, what, look, it's you're in Dixon, Illinois. It's it, You're two hours from Chicago. Everyone who went to this place is local. We got the local yo yokels going to 
Well, doesn't that make you? Doesn't that make really, you feel good? Doesn't that make you say, "Wow, if I'm yeah. selling out these things here," I mean, it shows you that you're still a, you're a commodity. You're still. Uh, it's not that I wasn't even that. That wasn't the point of going there. I just wanted to see if people would just go. Period. Like, is everyone too afraid? But I sense a very, very strong eagerness for people to just have some semblance of reality or you know normalcy and uh and drive-ins they're so old school so kitschy it's like eating a meatloaf sandwich like come on kids let's get in the minivan instead of the station wagon and let's go to the damn drive-in you know dad can sneak his hooch whatever he wants to do (laughs) little reefer in your car who cares no one cares so Check this out. I want to give you a piece of good news story. All right, let's hear it. For all this bad news, freaking bad news. Let's see. Brett and Drew Pierce, the Pierce brothers. Their father is Bart Pierce, who did the stop motion animation of the very first Evil Dead back in 1979. Well, they are the next generation filmmakers. They've made a couple of movies. They finally make this movie that was scheduled. I don't even know how much this thing costs. Not much. It was scheduled to be in drive-ins and it was going to open in May. And that's when everything shut down. Hmm. They had the number one movie at the box office for five weeks. They tied avatar their, their little movie. What's this movie called that? I don't even know the name of the freaking movie (laughs) and it's tied avatar. (laughs) It's a horror movie. It's a fun little, and apparently it's good. It's a, a fun little horror movie. And so what, when did there this is come good out? news in there somewhere. May. It wasn't called Host, so was it? It came out right when theaters shut down. Wow. When conventional theaters shut down. So there was no way to go to a movie theater. The only way you could go is the drive-in stayed open. And their movie was booked in, I don't know, 10 drive-ins. And then they kept rebooking it everywhere. Because there was nothing else. They're like, hey, let's book this new movie in this drive-in. So... Evil Dead, by the way, is back in 15 drive-ins right now. Where? Anyone in California? Uh, they had one in California. There was one in Orange County. Thanks some for telling classic me. classic old one. Thanks for telling yeah, me. Yeah, that was really cool. So they're doing it, and it's been fun to support it. Evil Dead was a drive-in movie. That's what kills me. I mean, we made it for the drive-in because that was the type of movie it was at the time. We went to drive-ins to do research that if, if the – like. We're watching Massacre at Central High. You couldn't show the movie now, but Massacre at Central High, if the if parts sucked and a lot most of it did, the lights would come on. They'd flash on the screen. Like they'd just flash their brights, like, fuck you, this sucks. Or they'd honk their horn. <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, these people are brutal. Like, so the trick is if you're gonna make a horror movie, then the thing we learned, like, once it gets started, don't be stopping. Keep keep it moving, because otherwise they're going to honk their horns and they're going to flash their lights. So it was great training, the wow. driving. And now these poor things were dying in 1979, and they barely hung on. And now, God bless them, they're back in business. Little it's resurgence. So, I like it. It's so nice to see. I just Because normally you hear about things closing down in this great old theater right. and this mom and pop thing. and. You know, it's, it's a good nice thing. Hear. It's a good thing. Oh, Let me ask you this. You, God, I'm going to go back. I want to go back 10 minutes ago because you said when you did Evil De- uh, Ash versus Evil Dead and you were just saying like, what am I doing? This is it. I'm burnt out. I thought I could do this. I, how soon into filming did you go, what the fuck did I do? 
about the first, uh, about the second episode. Really? Because Seriously. the first one was the pilot directed by Sam Raimi. Well, Sam, we didn't really realize it. He had sucked all the air out of the room. He had sucked days from the upcoming directors in order to get enough days to shoot his version of a workable pilot. You know, he had pirated literally days from all the other directors. So then when Sam left, we were hit with a massive dose of reality of that. Oh, we have to make this like way faster than the pilot. How long was the pilot? 10 days? No, no. It's Sam Raimi. I think it was uh, like, you know, 20 some odd days with tons of second unit. And I think the average episode to shoot a half hour show. Oh, you know, five, six days. So you're exhausted. You're in every scene almost. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, you have to, or uh, you... you have to do it. And I was, I was ready for it. Uh, we've expanded the universe. You know, we gave him a daughter and we, you know, in- introduced him back home, gave him a father. And so you see his family. I was all for that, but, and you know, we also got it. Uh, most directors are not Sam Raimi. Well, they're definitely not Sam Raimi if they have six days to shoot something. No. I mean, nobody. You know, no, he, he would say no to the job. It, it's classic. Tell you, you know, a bunch of television directors. It's the same thing. It's a skill. Yeah. It is a skill to manage actors and material and sometimes effects and stunts and get that sucker done in, you know, our television used to be six, seven days, you know. Did you get along with everybody? We got probably the best crew I, I've ever been associated with um you know the kiwis have really done great things in the entertainment industry there i mean starting with hercules hercules and xena i've known crew members down there now for 20 years it's like oh hey oh yeah mate hey how are you doing (laughs) and but it's not the deepest bench because they get busy like if you get a lord of the rings coming in there it'll vacuum all the crew members up you know right into that one hose so we, we, we caught enough people in between the big shows that we got the really good people for three years. Cause our sell, our sales pitch was you want to go home for dinner every night. You'll work for Rob Tappert and this production. Cause we shoot in Auckland and we're done every night at seven o'clock. So you want to work on location for years and years and years, knock yourself out. But if you've got a family, you really want to work with us. That was our pitch every year. To the crew. And wow. it, it worked because some crew members are like, oh, yeah, I got little kids. And the Kiwis, boy, they work on a clock. American television is it's for squares as far as how they film it. It really is. It's disciplined, but not as disciplined as it, as it could be and should be. The Kiwis, they pull the plug at 7 p.m. They work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. That's a 12 hour day. That's plenty. Plenty. And if you want overtime, the way their unions are set up, the producer has to ask the first AD on set, hey, I'd like the director would like an hour of overtime. And all the department heads gather together and they go, oh, yeah, should we? Nah, nah, we're all right. No, 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 thanks. (laughs) And they turn it down. I got one hour of overtime for my first Hercules episode I directed because I was new. They basically, and they told me that. They went, all right. It's your first day. Yeah, we'll give you an hour. We don't really do that. Yeah, fuck you, Bruce. You know what? Travel on into your third act, mate, because this is the only hour you're (laughs) getting, mate. (laughs) Yeah, so basically, because that system was so disciplined, 
you had a shot list, the assistant director, I'd have him write times next to my shots of like time of day. Like when should I be shooting these shots? And it mattered all the way down because you couldn't just stretch it. In America, they would announce to the crew, we're doing two hours of overtime tonight because we have to finish this location. They would just announce it just to kind of give you a heads up. You're not getting out of here anytime soon. There was no discussion. I love the fact that the Kiwis could shut you down. They had the happiest, well-rested crews because, well, like Burn Notice, I worked on that. You've worked on shows for years. We had the rolling call time because we shot more than 12 hours every day. Monday would be 7 a.m., Tuesday's 9 a.m., Wednesday's 11 a.m. Crew was miserable, you know, right. By the time you get to Friday, it's a noon call. You're not getting out of there till 2 in the morning shooting on the set. So you don't have a weekend. You don't have a weekend now. This is normal. And your Saturday is done. Right. You're sleeping. That's a that's a recovery day. You're sleeping, whatever you're doing. You're not, you're not doing anything. Sunday is your only day off. That's that's it. So, I mean, the Kiwis, uh, the Kiwi system, I'd have dinner with friends every night at 730 if we really wanted to because it was so predictable. That's nice. I like that. I, I like when the arts are disciplined. You hear all the time. Yeah. I read lots of movie books. These freaking people start these enormous movies without a script. Can you p- picture Ben Affleck sitting in his dumb Batman suit, writing, rewriting on the spot, Batman versus Superman? Are you kidding me? That is the that's the least efficient time to be writing. The guy's in the suit. He can't even take a piss, but he's got to rewrite Act Three. You know, <laughs> I mean. It sounds to me, aren't you Bruce, the smart ones. It's yeah. Aren't you the ones that are union? You're smart. You're experienced. You know these things. It's, what yeah, the it, hell? How it does sounds this like I it think sounds. They squeeze them into into release dates. It's well. It sounds to me like you you've had it. You've sort of had it. Maybe you've had it a few years ago with all that stuff. That's why you're doing your own thing now. Do you did it get to a point where you it was affecting your mental health? You think you think you were getting anxious? Yeah. You didn't like how you were always fatigued on you doing American shows or whatever. Were you just tired? Did you ever flip out, Bruce? Of course I did. I I, I pulled in, in New Zealand, they call it spit the dummy. And the dummy in New Zealand is your pacifier. So I spit the pacifier and just went because when a kid spits the pacifier, they go, Wah! you know, so <laughs> in New Zealand, they call it. Oh, yeah. Ah, the guy spit the dummy. And I did. I went off on a director. Like I had never gone off before. And what'd you say? Um, he was driving me crazy. <laughs> there is a, a way that he was doing something that uh, was just, I I had, I was not interested in how, how he wanted to do it. And so, yeah, I went, I, I went completely ballistic on him. It was like the last couple setups of the day. And I basically excused myself. It was one of those. I didn't really walk off. I was done enough. And I had to apologize to the crew the next day. You know, I, I got everybody together, first thing. I said, look, I'm an executive producer of the show. I'm supposed to set the example, right? So, yeah, wow, way to nail that. So, sorry, you know, that this director didn't deserve it. So, we want to treat each other with, you know. But it's what happens when uh, it's too much, when something's too much. Um, when you've either bitten off too much. And sometimes when actors go off, uh, they're not pissed about the actual thing. They're mad about something else. There's a mm-hmm. great outtake of Casey Kasem. You know, Casey's top top 40. Weekly's Casey top Kasem. 40. This one goes out to Bruce Campbell. Spit the pacifier, it, buddy. It, yeah, he's, here's a, a song called Spit the Dummy. Spit the Dummy. And <laughs> there's a great outtake of him 
of him going off on, and they've got it recorded of him uh, just shouting at some guy. And in the middle of it, he goes, and where are those pictures that I asked for? <laughs> he was really mad about the picture. The pictures. Some slight that he had sensed was that, and that's what really set him off, but something else Right. You blame it on. So you weren't mad at the director. You were mad at, at something. You were just tired. You were whatever you've had it. I was tired. I'm sure I'm very positive that I would have worked normally <laughs> with that guy doing that, what he was doing under normal circumstances. But, you know, so really, yeah, it shows you uh, mental health. No question about it. I called up an email to a buddy of mine and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Maybe you should hang up the spurs, you know, cause you really do it for me. If, um, if the joy is gone, then you're just looking for a payday. And then at that point, well, then you'll do anything. It's uh, there's an actor that I have that I shouldn't name. I call it the blankety blank effect. And that's the actor's name. You would insert the actor's name. It's the blankety blank effect where the actor never says no to anything. And you can just tell. Eric Roberts. What's the next gig? It doesn't matter. Is okay. it a bad part? Big. It doesn't matter. Meet my price. It doesn't matter. So I, I, I want to not go there. I want to, I want to show up and be excited. And so I've never done a comedy album before. So I'm like, I'm going to try it. I may, might fall completely on my face, but I'm going to try it. And it's time, time to write more. I've never written a book of essays, which all of a sudden, you know, oh, now you know all about stuff. So we'll see what the, the feedback is. I was trying not to make it a rant book, trying to make it a positive. Does, it, does that make you nervous doing something new, even though you're doing your own thing? Does that make you, do you get anxiety from that of doing, you know, taking on a new risk, a new challenge, like this comedy album? I mean, it's more excited anxiety because I don't limit myself as far as a genre or whatever, but I've, I've started to see, and you've seen this too, we get limited even by our own peers, how they see us. Like I had a TV show that I, uh, my wife and I cracked a story to a TV show, one hour drama that we think is just for the right actor. Oh my God, this could be fresh and new and really interesting and edgy and all that. And a buddy of mine has a TV deal. So I said, I'll, I'll get it to him. Maybe he'll be interested in it. And he goes, dude, with you attached to this, you're going to, you, you want to try and sell this, that this is yours. I'm like, what am I supposed to put a pseudonym? Cause otherwise if it doesn't have blood and guts, I'm not allowed to try and sell it. People mm. can't accept something material on their own merits. I, I was really taken aback. Even met my own pal. I was like, Oh my God, that is, that's what you even think of me wow. in, in this world. Cause I, I think of myself and you might do the same. Think of myself as an actor. You want me to sing? I'll try and sing. You want me to dance? I'll try and dance. You want me to shoot guns? Let's do that. Uh, fight scene? Let's try that. You know, you try. Let's try some comedy. Let's try a TV movie. Let's try a sitcom. Let's, you try all the formats. One man show, a play. You've toured. You've done music. I, I liken it to it's job rotation. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Uh, but you know, we'll see. I'm going to see how some people, um, how they take a book that isn't about, it's, it's a little bit about the film industry, but it's not completely about it. But I don't think people, I mean, look, just because you became, look, I became famous from Lex Luthor. So 
You know, are people going to look at me right. and go, oh, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor. Uh, you know, you became famous from the Evil Dead movies. And you were like, but then you went, we, we went on and we did, uh, we've done other things. Nothing will be as impact. Well, few things are as impactful as, look, getting a huge success. People say, well, what, what has he done after Smallville? Smallville's like the biggest, it was the biggest show. I can only go down. So not even that, but then you did Briscoe County. It's you did true. all these it's roles. True. Yeah, I got a weird kick from Burn Notice because Burn Notice ran for seven seasons. Probably one of the most successful things I've done. It was the number one show on cable for about three years. You know, it did great. People would retroactively discover the old stuff of mine. They go, what? Yeah, oh, sure. Weird. That old guy, that old guy did those weird movies like 30 years ago. So I had people sort of retroactively checking into the evil dead movies. I always said, good. That was very popular. You know, it, cable television is about as populous as you're going to get. It's very non culty cable television well look I, I said this to you before you know the uh when i watched evil dead i was like bef it was before jim carrey like this physical comedy the physical like i i was like i looked at you going you know this guy should be the the biggest star i think he's just got so charismatic <laughs> i really did and so many people across the that that's why I look look how many years later i mean you've done a lot big body of work but uh you know they come to drive-ins they come to conventions they come they'll do they'll come to whatever you're doing so you have a huge amount of success. Now, did you always see yourself like, do you look at yourself in the mirror and go, because I, I could tell you what I look at, uh, you know, and it, you wouldn't like it. But uh, do you ever look in the mirror and go, God, you should have been fucking, uh, you know, uh, Tom Hanks. You should have been. So do you ever, do you ever honestly feel in your gut like. No, it's too dangerous, too dangerous. You never went there? Game. You never went there? You never thought? No, because it's not. Um, I've, I've really tried to do a combination of accepting the hands that have been dealt and trying to work on my own stuff. You know, the first Evil Dead movie will always be what it is. It's a crude, low-budget, sometimes shocking horror movie. But the thing that I will always take away from that is the four years that it took to make it and to get the money and to raise it and to shoot some and then uh, six months later shoot some more and six months later shoot some more and get your father to hawk property <laughs> so that you can get money to blow it up from 16 millimeter to the 35. I caught my father. He had just gotten divorced from my mother and was sitting on the back porch staring, staring off into the woods behind our house. And I go, dad, uh, we got to, we, we're not going to get this movie into theaters unless it gets to 35 millimeter. That's about a $50,000 uh, operation. Can I, can we use the property? It was in Northern <laughs> Michigan. Can we use that? Can I, can I go and get a loan against that to do it? He goes, yeah, yeah, I don't care. Just like didn't that? Care. Oh, but it was because my dad had been destroyed and, and the prodigal son, I got him right when I, when I knew I could, I could get him to say yes. Cause he didn't care. He had, he was so despondent. We go up to the mid Michigan bank in Gladwin, Michigan and have a meeting with the guy at the mid Michigan bank and go, we'd like to get a loan for $50,000 to blow up a motion picture. And the guy didn't know what a blow up, you know, it's a lab process of course, but he didn't know. He goes, guys, you can blow up whatever you want, but if you don't pay it back, we're taking the property. Do you understand how this works? <laughs> he said like, that, just like yeah, that. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he didn't want to hear all the technical shit. He, he loans to farmers. You know, he doesn't loan to filmmakers. Right. Fortunately, we paid it back, but that's what sticks out to me is 
I'll always be proud of my homies, Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert. We did the craziest crap to get this thing done, to pull it off. Detroit, you don't make movies in Detroit. 1979 and inflation was horrible and the interest rates were, you know, 20, 20%, some stupid amount. It was a bad environment for investors, you know? And so I didn't even, I was so, you know, to me, when I could go to my local cinema and watch Evil Dead on the screen at a matinee with 20 people in the theater, I didn't care. It's where I saw the Poseidon adventure. Oh, one of my it doesn't matter. It's, ever. It was ever. real. We made it on the fucking screen. I, and that was way early in the process. We hadn't even made any money yet. And I'm like, we did it. How much did your dad make on that 50? Oh, he did good. Every time he got a check, his quote was, oh, God, it's like finding it in the street. <laughs> you know, like he just he just tripped over it in the street. <laughs> and my mom, they, my parents divorced and they split their portion of what they owned of the movie. And I got a check. And every time I get a check, I knew that my mom would get a check. And I call her up and go, Mom, you get your check? She goes, yeah. I go, what are you going to do with it? She goes, I'm getting all new Anderson windows. <laughs> that was her favorite brand of <laughs> window. And next thing you know, bam, she's got the whole house and beautiful double pane Anderson windows. She lived in Michigan. How so many? I call her up and then. And the dead ass, about 10 of them, they're like a thousand bucks each, you know? And I call her up, you know, dead of winter, Ma, how you doing, Ma? She goes, I'm feeling pretty toasty with those Anderson windows. So my God. That's what Evil Dead means to me. That my parents got, my, my dad could find money in the street and my mom could buy Anderson windows. That's beautiful. And you know what? How many kids ask their parents for money or get a loan and actually pay them back and give them extra money? I'd say zero. It is rare. Look, we got we got lucky because there's a lot of every investor we went to in Detroit in 1979, anybody with money had already been hit on by idiot filmmakers. And this one guy likened it to this, this very successful real estate guy goes, guys, let me tell you my experience in investing in a motion picture. It's like you go to the you go to Vegas and you put a dollar in pull the slot and 75 cents comes back and you go. Hey, you got 75 cents out of the dollar back. Let's put it in again. And you put the 75 cents in and you get 50 cents back. And you put that in. And next thing you know, he goes, I invested in four movies. I don't have anything to show. <laughs> All right, nothing. Yeah. He's like, get out of my office. You know, and so that was as, as exciting as anything was being able to, to pull that up. It really stretched all of us. We, we did our own poster. Uh, we learned how to lay out. Uh, we learned what a Velox was and we learned what variety needed as far as the specs to put an ad in their paper, the size of the ads, the shape, how many line, how many dots, how many lines were in it, screen lines. We had to learn all that crap. We cut our own coming attraction, our own three minute trailer. Sam cut that in a, in an old dentist's office in Ferndale, Michigan. So I have a very nostalgic look back on it because it was all so fresh and so new and so hands-on yeah but man i'll tell you modern filmmaking with the digital stuff it really it really has saved a lot of man hours are your movies better no no but they're a lot less tedious now you remember the old editing rooms there would be little strips of film hanging on on things with codes there would be it was such a small strip of film there wasn't even they put edge coats edge coating on this so you knew where it was and where it fell in, but Tedious. some pieces of the film were too small. 
you didn't even have the edge coat, so you'd have to hang it on a thing. And they would get knocked in what they called trim bins and would go into the bottom of the trim bin and you'd look down and go, fuck. Okay, who's going to try and find that trim? Now <laughs> you'd hit uh, undo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, when, when, let me ask you. I mean, you, you can save uh, all these different versions now. So the, I don't know, filmmaking is, it's, it's easier. It's easier, ways. but I complain about it all the time. You know, I'm not going to get into it, but for me, you show me practicals. I'm, I'm dying. I'm loving it. I, I love practicals. I mean, a lot of the digital stuff, it's all, everything's digital. So I'm just like, oh, great. I've watched 90% of a fake movie that I, it's all digital. And I'm sure people love these movies and sometimes I'll kind of like them, but I love practicals. I love when JJ Abrams, you know, and at least force awakens, which a lot of people say, whatever, I thought he did a pretty damn good job, but he used a lot of practicals. And you, know, you could look at it and you go, I could touch that. Yeah. I, it feels, anyway, I don't want to get into that boring shit, but I want, I, I well, do. Here, here's the visceral difference in our industry over 40 years. So 40 years ago, Ash has a shotgun and we're shooting at a cabin in Tennessee and he has to swing to the window and blow the window out with his shotgun. So 1979 in Tennessee, you, you pop a pop a shell in that sucker and look out the window and ask Tim, the, Tim, the cameraman, Tim, wave your arm. No, don't be there. Don't be there. Because <laughs> you know where your your target is. Right, so right. you have everybody outside, wave their arm, don't be there, don't be there. Okay, turn the camera on and you're going to get out of there, right? No. Okay, ready? And go. Blam. And the window is just blown out. So right. the visceral aspect of it, you feel the kick, you feel the impact. By the time we get to Ash versus Evil Dead, which is just a few years now, 30 some odd years later, 37 years later, now I hold up the shotgun, say, yeah, so is your mother. And I jerk the shotgun, you know, a little pantomime. And then a guy on set has an interactive light that hits me in the face. And he and I got in really good sync. He knew when I was going to, he knew the rhythm. And he always, he always got it just right. Now it's a digital flash that they're putting in. It's beautiful. They can make it eight inches long, 12 inches long, blue, steel, That's gray, cool. whatever like you that. want, a little smoke. And they can put in a howitzer, you know, a cannon for the sound effect. It's beautiful and completely safe. But every aspect of anything visceral is gone. We never, in three years, we never set foot outside of us, our stage. We faked the entire thing. And part of my rant one time to my buddy was, I'm just tired of looking at tennis balls on sticks with a guy going like this. Oh, yeah. hey, right. Hey, now, now the gorgon's over there, the gorgon. Now, now you're looking over, he's not camera right. Oh, other way, right. Wait, gargoyle? Are you saying gargoyle? What are you saying? Well, I, I just whatever <laughs> stupid name of the monster. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore, and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I I found one. You and you did it. You told I me found, I got Rocket Money. Okay, I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, 
It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. My friend Troy's here. He's quietly sitting in the other, he's sitting across from me just to make sure this is recording. Hi, Troy. Hi, Troy. Hi, Hi Bruce. Hello. How are you? <laughs> all right, there you go. Yeah. So look, I don't know if this is all bullshit. Just say, just say, just say, you got a mask. Yeah, say true or false. Were you offered the role of Edgar in Men in Black? No, I got a, I I had a chance to play an exterminator in one of the Men in Black movies. I think it was Men in Black 2, but I turned it down because I got to do a TV movie called Tornado for Fox. And I just, it was a better, it was way more money and a starring role instead of some little walk-on 
in this movie. Uh, so okay. uh, not, not, I was never on for that. I don't think the role you're speaking of. All right. Well, my one of my favorite horror movies is Pet Cemetery. Were you the first choice for Pet Cemetery as the lead? That I do not know, sir. I am unaware of that. So that that's false. Were you considered to be the lead in Speed, Bruce? No, never, See? never. Th these are I like Keanu Reeves, and uh, Keanu Reeves in that movie is very. He's very fun to watch. He's trying to be an older authority figure. Come on now. I'm trying to use a deeper voice. Come on now, guys. I lifted some weights. Well, now he's never doing my podcast. I'm trying to get him. He's like, no, nope, Bruce Campbell made fun of me, damn it. Whoa. Well, I've heard absolutely nothing but really nice things about him. The best. He doesn't I worked have with him. any I stink on him. I was in drag in a movie called Sweet November. We did a movie, and I worked with him a couple of weeks. And ever, you know, I was in drag. I was like, Cantu, hi, how are you? And he's like, hello, how are you? Michael, good to see you today. <laughs> Great outfit, Ooh, if hello. I may say. Great outfit, if I may say. <laughs> no, you may. He was so awesome. I loved him. I mean, he couldn't have been kinder. And even when he got mad when he's doing a take and he couldn't get it, he'd go, fuck. And then, he, you know, the director say, uh, Pat, Pat O'Connor, he directed Circle of Friends. He's like, uh, Keanu, would you like another take? He's like, I'm good, I'm good. Just let you know, I'm good. Action. Sarah. Sorry. Sorry, man. And then he'd go again. And he, and just, it, it, but yeah, just fuck. No, it's me. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. Let me do it again. <laughs> he was awesome, though. I mean, what a great guy. Uh, hey, watching actors work can be very entertaining. I There are some actors who, I mean, you got to put two cameras on them because if you get it, you get it. Otherwise, they can't match anything. They can't, you know. Rip Torn, the great, great actor Rip Torn. Yep. He was in Men in Black, and a buddy of mine was one of the ass assistant directors on it, and he said Rip Torn was trying to just get certain words out, and he couldn't do it, so they just kept the camera rolling, and he kept getting more and more pissed off and shouting and angry with himself, and the director, Barry Seinfeld, was crying, and he was laughing so hard behind the monitor because he just, <laughs> he, he wouldn't dare call cut because this guy was trying to get, I'll get it, I'll get it. You keep know, and, going. and he couldn't get it because he worked himself up oh. in, into this. Keep rolling. Yeah. Oh, he I, worked himself into such a frenzy. He he needed to calm himself down for a minute and hey, then try. Where are you? Uh, outtakes are great. You should Google uh, Hollywood outtakes. They're pretty fun to watch. I love outtakes. Uh, were you responsible? Like, I know you, I think I talked to you about this briefly, but you and Sam, like those, the one-liners, I mean, it's such a rarity in film that you have these, these quotable phrases that you you came up with these one word kind of things so when you said groot groovy or you said chainsaw or you said these little things did that just start and then it just goes we got to continue that did you find that it wasn't in the script was it um sam wanted groovy for evil dead 2 uh ash puts a chainsaw rig together cuts his his uh shotgun in half flips right. it puts it in the holster and he tracks it and he says, I wanted a word that by in 1986 was very out of it. This is the Reagan era, you know, and no one used groovy in 1986, at least not to, not to my knowledge. And Sam's like, I want you to say groovy. And then, so he, Sam would come up with a lot of this stuff um, and either pitch it on the day, like just before, like Army of Darkness, I'm supposed to kiss M. Beth Davids and let her hair down and kiss her. And we can't find Sam anywhere on set. Their ADs are trying to find him. And they find him giggling over in the in a corner. 
I was like, okay, what's that all about? And he comes over to me. He goes, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I go, I don't say anything. I just kiss her, right? He goes, no, 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 no. You're going to look at her. You're going to say, give me some sugar, baby. I was like, that's so fucking He goes, you're going to do it. Do it. You do it. Because Sam gets pissed. If you don't immediately go, wow, that's awesome. You know, he'll get pissed at you. So I went, okay, fine. I'll say your stupid line. <laughs> and, you know, and... And other things just occur to you uh, is I got my foot on the neck of a creature in Evil Dead 2, and it keeps going, I'll swallow your soul, swallow your soul. So Ash is about to blow it away. So he just goes, swallow this. <laughs> you know. So they would come out, and it was a type of character that by the time Sam did Army of Darkness, Ash was a full-on ugly American trash talker. I, how he evolved into that is really mostly Sam, because he's, you know, the first Evil Dead, he's a generic milk toast. 21-year-old guy who happens to be more of a survivor than anything. Then Evil Dead 2, he's kind of like a Vietnam vet. Right. He's a little wary. And then by, by Army of Darkness, he's just, he's a smartass, which is, I love it. I mean, I don't like milk toast lead characters. That's the problem with lead characters. They write the bad guy. You played a great bad guy, right? Did they not write great stuff for you? Yeah, you could be an asshole and chew the scenery. Look at me. Here's my bad guy speech before I take you down. The bad guys get written really well. Oh. And they make the mistake of underwriting the good guys. It was a movie called Assault on Dome 4. One of my finest, finest uh, <laughs> roles. They offered me the lead. And you thumb through. I look for the name of the character as I thumb through. Is the guy, how many, what, what's the density level here we're talking? And then I started to read his lines. Get down. Come on. Let's go. Now. It was all shit like that. I went, what a bore. And the bad guy had these flowery speeches. And I was like, hey, guys, no offense, but I'll play the bad guy. I'm not going to play the lead guy. They went, they hadn't cast the guy yet. They went, yeah, okay, fine. So they gave it to Joe Culp who is Robert Culp's son. And Joe's a perfectly fine actor, but I got to watch for like the next three weeks of Joe just doing the most insipid, uninspired dialogue and me just going, blah, 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 spewing bullshit all day long because they they written, they wrote me well and they didn't they didn't bother to write the hero you're right they you gotta know, do that you know it's funny because tom always we always joke about it tom who played clark on smallville we always go you know i'd sit there and quote alexander the great and i go you know alexander the great said this and blah blah and my father and that, you know and I, i'd go on and he'd go i don't know lex that's all your fucking lines i i need you to take a longer beat so i can remember what else i have to fucking say just take a fucking other beat that's all you got. Dude, it was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, it is fun playing the bad guy. I mean, mostly good guys aren't, I mean, look, Harrison Ford was a good because guy. You He's don't, a and, I have a theory too. People who play bad guys a lot are actually really nice guys. And it's the guys who play the heroes who are kind of dicks ooh. that I've met over the years. Can you name any? No, we shouldn't do that. That would be, that would be, that'd be wrong. Rent. I mean, where are they going to find you? You're in Oregon. Well, we can poke fun at the big ones. But, you know, it, it is just kind of funny that the guy who plays the hero many times on set has the feeling of, like, I have to be in control of everything. I'm playing the hero. 
I need to be in charge of this. Do I want to say that line? Now, some actors is pretty funny. <laughs> I did McHale's Navy with Tom Arnold. Tom would give all his lines away. At the first, you'd read a scene, you'd gather around outside where you're shooting, and he'd, he'd read, you'd read it and he'd go, ah, mm. hey Campbell, you haven't had a line in a couple of days. Why don't you take this first part? I go, yeah, okay, do you want me to? Sure, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Hey Haley, you haven't said shit for about a week. Why don't you take this next part? <laughs> he gives his whole speech away to five other actors and at the end he goes, good, let's go. Wow! You walk out of the scene. That's, I'm, like, that's I'm like, now there's a good actor. There's that's a brilliant actor. That's right? brilliant and very. Uh, what's the word? Uh, nice, he, kind, yeah, very, yeah, egalitarian. Uh, you know, Campbell, you haven't said anything in a couple of days. I mean, that's how that shoot was. You've worked with directors and writers too. Oh. Some writers are very terrified of doing things differently or letting an actor riff or do something. And some situations are very loose. It's, it, it can be nice when the writer is also the director if they're willing to kind of just get the best thing at that moment. Uh, the insecure folks are the ones who, who go, no, I just want what I want. I just want what I want. And so my feeling is then you're missing out on interesting opportunities. It's called editing. If you don't like what we do, don't use it. I would do, in burn notice, I would throw crap in at the very end of the scene because it was not about the plot. I'm not interested in changing their plot. But they'd write some scenes where I felt like I had to react. I felt like I, someone should say something. Like, we had a bad guy show up at our table, and he lectures us for like two minutes and leaves. And we didn't have anything to say. So I look at the other people after he, after he goes, I go, okay, it's official. The guy's a dick. <laughs> you know, and so they they just kept it because it's just was a, they needed a little button and the key just Bruce and the key is never tell them you're going to do something and I have learned that never tell them you're going to do something I was on a show for two years a couple of years ago and I was leading I would say oh Chris so when she does this I'm going to go and say I'm going to say add this and go that because like, yeah I don't know I don't know if you need that if I just yeah, then, I don't know. when you just know. do it know. yeah. They're like, oh, that was funny. I thought, did you just make that up on the spot? Hey, that, yeah. was on a, that was, yeah, you should keep that. Yeah. It depends on the situation. And and uh, some writers, John Patrick Shanley obviously has some kind of Patty Chayefsky clause. <laughs> like I'm in the movie Congo, right? It's monkeys attacking people in the jungle, right? Um, and I'm doing a transmission as Charles. Laura Linney is my girlfriend. I, I, I lead the first team into the jungle. And we're doing a broadcast and I, some things were a little clunky and I tried to just bridge a couple things. And after the take, the script supervisor comes up and goes, excuse me, um, uh, during that last take, you added an um and a well and a hum. And I started, I started laughing. I went, come on, you're, you're not serious. Are you, are you serious? She goes, yes, we need to stick with the words. So John Patrick Shanley adapts uh, a Michael Crichton book, and I still can't change the words to make his clunky sentences connect a little better. That that's you know that yeah fuck, yeah that's upsetting. Here's your Patty Chayefsky clause right there. Guess what? If you're Patty Chayefsky, I won't change your words. <laughs> Guy who wrote Maudie for Ernest Borgnine. So oh, yeah, yeah, I won't change his words. 
But John Patrick Chanley, I might need to help your adapted words, Mr. Playwright. He's a playwright. I like how you, you don't change playwrights. You don't change playwright stuff. Hey, this is called Shit Talking with Bruce Campbell. My patrons out there who are amazing and they support the podcast. And this is rapid fire. You just answer them fast. Chris F., any advice for an up-and-coming writer during quarantine? Oh, my God. Yes. Right. Great, right. I mean, what else, what else would you do? I, what I, else would a writer do during quarantine? That freaking guy. I've Look, during this quarantine, I wrote two screenplays and a book. Get off your ass. It's, this is not rocket science. Chris, I hope you're still a patron after that response. Right. What do you... It's a court. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Right. Is this a trick question? No, I love it, Bruce. It's good. It's Bruce. Moron. What are you, a maroon? <laughs> Ashley E. What did you enjoy most about filming the Evil Dead series and Evil Dead movies? Did you prefer the series or the movies? Well, I, I enjoyed when they ended. Okay. There you go. Leanne P. What is the one thing people would be surprised to learn about you, Bruce Campbell? I have lavender on my property and it smells so good. I'm going to get some of that lavender. Marissa N. What would you say is a highlight of your career to you? Something you accomplished that makes you proud? The one thing. What's that thing you think of right now? You already thought about it. I could tell. No, the first Evil Dead. Because of what it took to, um, to pull it off, which nobody really knows. It's a, it's a story that uh, three guys know, and I wrote a book about it. It, it, it. it meant that much to me. You know what it taught me? It taught me that you didn't have to have a specific background. You could kind of be a nobody and get into the film business. It was, it just proved to us that it was not impossible. Like I heard my cousin, my cousin's husband, Bill Martin, in, in college, 1976, I listened to WKMI in Kalamazoo because I, I went six months to college there. And I listened to him and I knew that guy and he was on the freaking radio. And Bill was not a real flashy guy, but he had a nice smooth voice in WKMI, you know, Kalamazoo. And it, that gave me hope. Well, he passed recently, and I said a little something at his gathering. I said, he made it seem possible that I could get in. You hear a DJ on the radio, and you're, you're 15, 16. You don't have any idea. That's magic. Like, how did that guy get that job? How did Frank Sinatra become Frank Sinatra? I don't even know how any of this works. And it was all a smoke and mirrors and mystery. We had even fears with the first Evil Dead. We had heard, oh, the projectionists won't even screen it if it's not a union movie. We hear these like weird wives' tales, the things that were not true, urban myths about making movies. And it was just great to dispel it, to know that we could get into our own movie theater, that it was not impossible. It took a lot. It took a lot. Um, but the what we do is not impossible. So if you're someone who is at home, who sees what you and I are doing and thinks it's impossible. It is so not impossible. True. It's not, but I yeah, I you don't know, know. if you're a lazy son of a bitch, good luck, Chuck, <clears throat> you're done. Don't even go into the business because, you know, blow jobs and limousines. How often does that happen? You know, unless you're a rock star in the seventies, it doesn't happen very often. Most of what we do is tedious, time consuming. Uh, we're not always well-paid. Uh, sometimes we work with idiots and morons. It's a very selfish industry, you know, so I don't know. I try now trying to look at it a little more objectively because I tried to please this whore of a mistress called the film business and it was never satisfied. Nothing I ever did was good enough for it. So I'm like, oh, right. I'm trying to 
please, you know, something that's it's impossible because film business, you can never be working hard enough. There's always Steven Spielberg. There's always Tom Cruise. You know, there's always someone who is mega successful that sometimes that'll encourage you and sometimes it'll discourage you because you go, yeah, it makes $20 million for a movie. I'll never, I'll never make $20 million for a movie. You know, I'll never earn what Dwayne Johnson <laughs> earns. Do I have to? Thankfully, no. You know, I see yeah. big houses. You know what I see? Plumbers. The need for plumbers and handymen. You know what? I think there's a gap in your life. There's a certain time frame that, for me, it was end of college and probably the next seven years. There's a seven-year gap where I didn't look at odds. I had so much confidence. I didn't give a shit. And it wasn't until I started to have success that I started getting in my own head and started to get... Yeah. Uh, insecure and started to get and then i was like what happened what happened i always want to go back to that one guy who would just knock on anybody's fucking door and say i'm fucking great hire me and i'll your movie will you know there's something <laughs> yeah. like that so you can't yeah, wait no. too long when you feel it you've got it you feel it you got to go for it man right i think you kind of have to continually feel like that in some way there has to be something that that motivates you you know to get out of bed in the morning whatever it is in our particular industry like you know and i found that certain things can really fill the gap writing is really cheap it's probably the cheapest thing that our industry has is the ability to write there you go chris you, know, you get your you chris know, f it's chris so f. It, it, it's so inexpensive and you click and you can send it to somebody it's just you click and you can get it copyrighted it's just it's all it's it's pretty magical uh, that aspect. And then filmmakers need to be good salesmen. And I think they need to be better with money and time. I think if filmmakers, uh, Frank Capra, the great filmmaker, right? From the classic motion pictures, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He worked for Harry Cohen, who was at Columbia, who was one of, of all the assholes who ran studios. He was probably one of the biggest asshole. And he was, he was really a freak about money, 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 this money, that money, that. So Frank Capra was like, Hey, Harry, let's let's because Frank produced his movies too. So he's like, can we come up with some kind of a working relationship where if I'm not over budget, you're not messing with my movie? Can we can we do that? Like, like if I get in there and make sure that I deliver this movie to you on time and on budget, you won't you won't get in there and just we leave my movies alone. And Harry's like, I don't know, maybe we'll try one, you know, and they tried it. He delivered it on time, on budget. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. And it, that's how he was able to slip under a very watchful eye of someone who liked to mess with movies. Wow. And it's good to be responsible with money. You see a movie that's $300 million has got to make a billion dollars. The numbers are just too insane. So if you can't get into if you can't book 3,000 theaters, guess what? You're not going to make movies for $300 million anymore. Uh, Ashley G., if you weren't an actor, what career would you be interested in? And don't say writer or something. It's got to be out of the business. No, no, no. No, probably uh, like a, a forest ranger. I'd be a park ranger. I'd be a smoky. Well, check this out. Yeah, uh, putting shit out, putting fires out. Because yeah, we're entering our fifth season in Oregon. We have a fifth season, fire season. So... Yeah, we're entering it now. We're heavy into fire season. So we, we have things like red flag warnings now. Uh, windy, hot, low humidity, and idiots out camping everywhere. 
Can you start a fire without matches or a lighter? Um, I do not have that ability. Okay, I'm no. gonna I'm gonna learn that. I'm actually gonna take a survival that. class. I'm going to get a flint. You need a, a little flint, right? You need some of that sh- some shavings. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna do it. Little. You just said you didn't know how to do it. So why, why are you telling me what to do? You know what's better is here. Here's a plug for you. Life straw. I take it on my bike rides, my electric bike rides back in the boonies. It's this little straw. It's a carbon filter dealio. And I'm sucking right out of Mr. River. <laughs> right out of it. Bam. Put it back in your pocket. <laughs> you suck. Yeah, baby. Little Lisa. <laughs> Besides doing horror films, uh, you have also done a lot of voice acting, as we know. What has been your favorite movie, show, or video game voice work you have done? So we already said that uh, Evil Dead was the best movie, but like your favorite. But what was the uh, other thing you could think of that you really loved or enjoyed? Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, if you're looking for voice work. I played the mayor. And um, it was fun just to be, that was my first kind of, like being in like a Hollywood animated movie where they had like other you know, people in there who you knew their names, that sort of stuff. It is fun fun to do those. Yeah. I love that. But animation is weird. Animation acting is weird because they always have you come in and redo stuff because the animation changes. Now they go, Oh, we added a waterfall behind you. So you got to pitch it up a little bit. Oh, you're falling through space during this line now. So you got to make it, you got to yell it. So you always have to go back and make things bigger. The grunts always upset me. Like Michael, can we just uh, more of a pain? If somebody's filming, you look like an idiot. Ah, I wait. I do all that stuff at the end of my session. Oh, yeah. I get all the words out clean. Because once you start doing all that guttural crap, I can blow my voice out. Yells and stuff like that. Save that for the end. Yeah, I remember the Evil Dead game you had. I played that. I bought that. A lot of grunts and groans in that. A lot of grunts and groans. All right, Flask Girl. What's up, Flask Girl? Now, she's about the drive-ins. Are there any more dates going to be added, or is that it? I've got, uh, you know, it's it's all on Mr. Website. You can find it posted somewhere. Uh, it's my, it's the Bruce Campbell Keep Your Distance Tour. Um, I, I want to see these things with my own two eyes. I know it's probably not the smartest thing ever to go gallivanting around, mm-hmm. but I, I want to see. I want to see what's happening in the country because I don't trust anybody anymore. I don't trust anything that anybody says or shows me, a photograph, a video, I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're you're working for somebody. You're trying to, you know, I just want the information. So it was great to travel and get on a plane yeah. and see what that airline is doing. And are they being safe? And what are they serving? What are they not serving? You know, and you go to a hotel. What's happening in a hotel? Am I wiping down the hotel? Am I carrying my little kit with me everywhere now? You know, riding in cars with buddies, going to location. Well, we both have masks on now because we don't live with each other. You know, so it's having to go through an event where you're socially distancing. It's really bizarre. But so I can't wait to go to the indoor venues again and see if we can't do it safe. I'm just worried for conventions. Like, when am I going to see you again, your mug in one of those convention room green rooms? That's one of my favorite times is to run into people. They're making coffee or tea or whatever. And that's a great time to just shit to shit. Like, when is that going to happen? So well, when are you, know, you and I also you taking us out to dinner again? You also take uh, a few of us out to dinner every convention. I'll, I'll hopefully you'll be doing that again. Wink, Matthew J. My girlfriend and I. Last question. My girlfriend and I are wondering if you're able to keep any props from Ash versus Evil Dead, or did you ever keep any props from any of the Evil Dead movies? That's it. 
My brother Don has the sawed-off shotgun from the original Evil Dead. What do you sell it? Why is he a fan of movies or memorabilia? No, he just likes guns. So that's why he he has that gun. Uh, I didn't keep. I you know I I have weird stuff. I have a tchotchke shelf. Let me. Uh, I'm going to show you one thing that's kind of interesting. I'll be right. He's going to come back naked. Here it comes. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Oh, Bruce goes and gets one of his Chotskys. This this Chotsky. is what gets me interested. It's it's I guess you could call this nerdy. I don't know. This is a railroad spike. And you go, yeah, big deal, railroad spike. It's from the Sutro Tunnel. And you go, what the hell is the Sutro Tunnel? No one knows about the Sutro Tunnel. And I go, I do. It matters to me because the Sutro Tunnel was in Virginia City, Nevada, and they were drilling for silver, okay? So they drill for silver. And all the robber barons would uh, have problems. The, these mines would flood. You couldn't get the ore out. It was very difficult. They had fires in there. It was very bad. So Adolf Sutro says, I have a great idea. I'm going to build a horizontal tunnel to connect to all of your vertical shafts, and the water will run out from the flooding, you have an escape route. The smoke can go out if you have fire. I'll only take one penny per ton of ore that comes out of there to do this. So he starts building this. The robber barons were very hesitant about this. They, they, uh, they all backed out eventually. He finally had to get the money from Europe to do this. And by the time he punched the hole, a 20-mile vertical shaft, by the time he did it, most of the mines were played out. He wound up selling his thing and became the mayor of San Francisco. So in San Francisco, there's Sutro Hill. That's named after Adolf Sutro. So I had mentioned when I was doing a Western, uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., I think I had emailed something to somebody about how I thought it was cool and I love history of the Old West. And a guy emails me, he goes, I have the entrance to the Sutro Tunnel on my property in Nevada. I noticed you're going to go do a rodeo appearance for your TV show. Why don't you take the 45 minute ride from Reno out to Virginia city? I'll, I'll take you to the Sutro tunnel. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, what? Hell yeah. So we go there and sure enough, right above this old crumbly entrance from it's 1868 or whatever. And it's in the old timey lettering Sutro tunnel. We squeezed through these two, you know, poorly connected metal gates and water's running out through the middle. There's cave in, cave in, cave in. We only went about, you know, 50 feet in. The thing would just, everything's collapsed. It's horribly dangerous. You know, we could have fallen in some pit, but I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm taking that. I'm taking that son of a bitch. So I have a spike from the Sutro tunnel that doesn't, no one could give a shit. So I have a tchotchke shell where everything has a story of acquisition of how that came to be. And so and none of it is movie oriented. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But you know what I love is that some guy just contacts you and you're like, hell yeah. And you drove an hour to hang out with this guy and check this <laughs> shit out. Cool I would do that. Idea. That's why I like I'm that. Like, I would do know, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have to look, not everybody's crazy. Not no, everyone's most a of them are. And I'm crazier know, than most some, of the people. Some people are, um, are just, they innocently offer stuff. And uh, I think it's wonderful. I love people. I do. And I love you, Bruce. This has been awesome. I used to love people. 
and now I am on a mountaintop hiding, hiding from them. Hey, I can't wait to see you, man. I, I'd love to, I want to come out there. Standing invite. As long as uh, the world, um, functions, you're welcome to come up. And we don't have to do a lot. You don't have to entertain me. I know you won't, but, uh, uh, maybe I, I've always I want to go water rafting. Can you, we still go water rafting around there? You can go rafting. Yeah, the guide has to wear a mask, and you have to wear masks in the shuttle van getting from place to place. But otherwise, when you're on the raft, yeah, that's it. And I'll put you up front. I'm going to give you the best seat up front, where you'll basically block all the cold water from hitting me. <laughs> I know exactly where to sit in all these rafts now. I love the new it. guy gets the front because he goes, oh, oh, cool, the rapids. Shit. <laughs> and you'll freeze but you'll you'll thank me for it oh i really uh, this has been awesome you're the best dude all right you'd be good nice talking to you i love him i love him that's all i'm gonna say i love bruce campbell i mean it's just like i, I want to have him on as much as possible he, he kind of tells you how it is and he's sarcastic but he's a, he does that whole thing or you know he's just doing that you know <laughs> that thing well i don't know if the world's good but you know, it's just this whole thing, and it's just, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost a, like a Norm McDonald meets, you know. It he, is. It is like a Norm McDonald a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I asked my dad for $50,000, and. Uh, that, story, that story's insane, though. Oh, my God, what a great story. <laughs> he, just, he took. He kind of took advantage of his very sad father. He did, but then his dad. Uh, but now we have Evil Dead, I came guess. Came into a fortune. You know, I just saw something. Uh, I was watching the Amity of a Horror, as I talked about in the pre-show, the pre, the intro, and I was watching the Amity of a Horror, and I looked as I'm watching the movie. I've seen it so many times that I know the story. And I, I, you know, I was born in Long Island in New York, right near Amityville. And my oh, mom, shit. as crazy as she was, she used to take me to Amityville house and go, you know, "Oh, that's the house where all the kids were murdered." Oh boy! And then it was haunted, and the Lutzes lived there. And then they got possessed, and then he almost killed his family. And then he left, and then and it went on and on. <laughs> and uh, I read this thing uh, about the Amityville horror where James Brolin, Josh Brolin's oh, dad, yeah. he he couldn't get work after that movie for years. He couldn't get work. I, I just, people associated him with this, you know, with this horror movie. Yeah. But he got ten percent of the back end of the movie. He goes, "Don't pay me. Just give me ten percent of the back end." Yeah. He made to its equivalent to fifty-five million dollars on the Amityville horror movie. What? Yeah, he owned ten percent. The movie was a blockbuster, what? even though the re reviews weren't good. I loved it. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. I'd love to get James Brolin on here. James Brolin and Babs. You know, he's with Babs. Oh, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, is she? Is she? She's not Josh Brolin's mom, though. No, 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 no. no. I don't think she has. Does she? Have, maybe does she have a Streisand? I don't know if they go by Streisand. Wouldn't you be, love to be? Uh, yeah, of course they wouldn't. But I, I'd yeah. love to be a Streisand. Michael Streisand. Are you Barbara's son? Yes. <laughs> How did you know? Well, there's not many Streisands. <laughs> Rosenbaum. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Next week's going to be a classic. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy that one. The Justice League Unlimited. Uh, make sure you subscribe at Inside of You Podcast on on uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Twitter at Inside of You Pod. Uh, make sure you go to the store, um, Inside of You Online Store. We got wine glasses, towels, shirts, hats. We got some left on Laurel gear still there. Uh, tons of great stuff. Any horror shirts that we have from an old Patreon? Anyway, check it out, Inside of You Online Store. And I always throw discount codes out there, so make sure you check up on that. And uh, a, a shout out to my buddies at Hint Water. Just love them. They don't even sponsor the show, but they give me free water and I love their water. So just want to say that. And uh, uh, what else? Uh, we're doing a, Tom and I are doing a, a podcast, a, a virtual thing in, in Dubai, a virtual oh. con coming up. That's going to be interesting. 
Also, uh, my camp, you know, I have a camp, Camp Rosie, and obviously that's pushed and pushed, but we're going to eventually do that. We're, my, my buddy Dave Kushner and I, uh, we're going to do a summer camp, and when this is all over, we're going to really have a good time. We're going to go back to the way it was. It will go back to the way it was. It'll be better. People will be more respectful, mm-hmm. I hope. Um, let me give you a shout-out to the one and onlies, the uh, patrons. Before we do, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them, mm-hmm. and then I'll allow uh, Ryan to try and get uh we'll go with 15 okay nancy d mary b leah s trisha sarah v little lisa yukiko jill e brian h lauren g nico p angelina g i know you memorize that one because i Mm -hmm. say i emphasize it robin Mm -hmm. s jerry w emily bob b robert i jason w Stephen j Kristen k amelia o allison l jess j lucas m raj c joshua d CJP, Samantha M, Hamza B, Jennifer N, Jackie, Stacy L, Carly H. That was Jackie P, by the way. Mm-hmm. Don't forget her mm-hmm. P. Mm-mm. Don't forget her P. What? Now, yeah. you're gonna, now you're going to remember Jackie P. Oh, Jesus. Jackie P. Jennifer S, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha 272, not to be confused with. Tabitha 273. Kimberly E, Crystal H, Mike E, Marissa, Ramira, Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Roshan, Ray A, Maya P, Megan J, Maddie S, Tiffany I, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Margie M, Thomas T, Shannon D, Shannon D's a newbie, Shannon D, Shannon D, Shannon D, Shannon D, now you're gonna remember that one, aren't you? Shannon D, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Benjamin R, Lisa J. I dated a girl named Lisa J once. Kevin V, Robert S, Azapalooza, a newbie. Thank God. What would be a song? You're going to remember that. At the Aza, Azapalooza. Oh, boy. You won't forget that one. Oh, boy. James R, Chris H, Snow R, Snow, Sean V, Anusha, W, Osborne. 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 Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila G. Oh, oh, Sheila G. You know what, Alyssa? Alyssa C, Jacob H, Misha H, William H, Deb A, Tom N, and Natalie 622. Not to be confused with Natalie. 623? That's correct. <laughs> She's a newbie, too. Okay. So, I mean, all right. So, Ryan, let's run through it. My friend, if, if anybody likes this other than my friend Ethan, I'll be happy. Him and uh, Alex, <laughs> his girlfriend there. I love when you ask Ryan and you quiz him on how many names he can guess. <laughs> So it's kind of fun. So um, uh, go ahead. Okay. Osbjorn. <laughs> okay. Uh, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Leanne P, Jackie P, uh, Robert I, Bob B, uh, Ramira, Rachin, uh, Raj C, Hamza B, uh, Azapalooza, Spider-Man Chase. Uh, wow. Oh, man, uh, da, 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 I, think I just got to do something real quick. Shannon D. <laughs> Shannon D. <laughs> I you you don't get that one. You don't get that one. Oh, crap. Um, CJP. Mm. And how about, oh, if I could just Jason W. Jason W is correct. Right? Yeah, that's 15. You give it up. Ryan has memorized 15 
patrons, top patrons. That's pretty remarkable. The trick would be trying to remember 15 different ones every time. That would be really hard. And you'd have them all within yeah. like th three tries. Uh, okay. You guys, this has been glorious. Thank you. I hope uh, you're uh, calm and happy and safe and uh, doing what you love and 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 what you what you're passionate about. Keep doing that. Keep striving for the good. There, there's more goodness in people. I know that there is. There's goodness in everyone. Um, thanks for listening. Please tune in. Keep subscribing. Join Patreon if you'd like to join and uh, check out the online store, Inside You Online Store, for cool Inside You merch and. Uh, yeah, we're coming up with some other way. Oh, and go to stageit.com and follow me on Michael Rosenbaum. And whenever I play music, maybe you'll be alerted. Maybe I'll alert you. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.